I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindegaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris, expanding by the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello and welcome to the Glover's Past on the Glover's Cast. I'm Ian and I'm joined by Dave on this episode to chat with a man who captained Yeovletown for two historic seasons. His first ended with a winning trip to Wembley and promotion. His second saw him skipper us through a season at the highest level in our history. We're delighted to welcome former Glover Jamie McAllister to the Glover's Cast. Hi Jamie, how are you doing? Very good Ian. Thanks for inviting me on. Our pleasure. Good evening. And thanks Dave as well. Welcome. We're um yeah, we've got uh, a few questions for you, uh, Jamie. But um, I think a good place to start is when you first came to the club in the summer of 2012, following your release by Bristol City. Um, how important was Gary Johnson in your decision to uh, to come further down south to Yeovil? Yeah, he was probably the main reason I came down. Actually, um, I fortunate enough that Gary signed me at Bristol um, from Hearts. And I worked with him for four and a half years at Bristol. Um, and then when he left to go to Yeovil two years later, I got released from Bristol. Um, so I spent six years at, at Bristol, which was great six years. Loved every minute of it. Um, had a real good time there, a successful time. Then my contract was up, got released. And a few other clubs interested. Um, probably higher up in the pyramid, really, that I could have went to or back to Scotland. But speaking to Gary and then going down to Yeovil and talking to him and his vision, his plans for the future and players who was going to recruit that summer had a big say in um, me signing there. So, yeah, it worked out well. Yeah, 
Uh, you say there were other options, were you? Or Scotland was a was an option. Did that not? They, they want an appeal to that. You moved even further away from Scotland to come to Yeovil. Yeah, no, it was appealing. Um, but myself, and my wife had been down in Bristol for what six years then, um, and we started a young family down there. So kids have been born there, and we found it as a home really. Um, we planned it after I think it was after my fourth, fifth year. I signed a new contract at Bristol. We decided that Bristol was going to be home for us and uh, we'd try and stay down in that area as, as long as possible and make that home for the kids and stuff. So, yeah, I had further conversations with teams up north um, and I was close to going, but speaking to Gary and, and location and stuff and the vision, like I said, the players he was going to sign that summer, planned on signing that summer, was, I felt as if it was going to be start of something special and lucky enough it, it worked out that way. Yeah. I mean, that was a question we were going to ask you because it was the team you came into was kind of a bit of a mishmash, wasn't it? There were a lot of younger players who had that sort of something to prove. And then obviously some, you know, loans came in and some older players that were maybe coming towards the, the end of their careers. And obviously your career went on a, while, a good while after. We'll get that in quickly. But uh, I mean, you had that feeling, did you, to start with? I mean, Gary's quite uh, always struck us as a manager, like an inspirational kind of kind of character he 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 really sold it to you did you the, the vision that you speak about that yeah he did and, and having worked with him before and knowing what it was about and knowing the style he likes to play and stuff and he's very good at assembling a team and getting the right blend of youth and experience and and characters and quality um so yeah the names we brought in i mean some of the loans we had that year were fantastic um so yeah we got a really good side a young team we're a mixture, a little bit of experience. Um, it's just the right blend, the right balance. We had a good start to that season, winning five of the first seven, only losing to West Brom in the League Cup. But the, the last win of that run came with a 3-0 win at Bristol Rovers in the, well, I call it the Johnson paint pot. Um, you got sent off in that game, didn't you? And uh, <laughs> with you being, we had a, to mention it. We had yeah, to mention it. <laughs> with you being an ex-Bristol City player, it must have been a bit of a situation. But was it right that um, David Clarkson, who you had a bit of a set to with that incident, gave you a lift on the match day? And if he did, how how was the journey home? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, obviously. Played in that game, delighted to win it. And um, David Clarkson, like a really good friend of mine, and we stayed across the road in Bristol from each other. Obviously played together at Bristol City. Um, I know him from like playing with him, being in squads with him at Scotland and stuff. And uh, we were really close. And in the game, we just had a little scuffle on the floor. <laughs> and um, it was nothing major. Got up, had a little push, a little tugging. Um, I got sent off for it. And then we planned on Clarky taking me home that night. Because I got dropped off on the on team coach um, and jumped in the car and got home that night. But didn't have many red cars. I think I only had four in my whole career at 20 years as a professional, which is not bad. I had plenty of yellows, but not many reds. And, and that was one of them. Um, I don't mind that against Wolves. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. No, it was quite a game, wasn't it? 3-0 uh, as well. It's uh, one, to, one to remember. And being ex-City as well, I imagine they... Uh, they gave you a warm reception as you went off the pitch there, <laughs> did they? Yeah? yeah, got a bit of stick. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But um, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, 
you obviously, as you say, you got the got the suspension there, um, and, and we did go on, I think, to lose six matches. So you know, obviously, you were uh, you were an influence there. I mean, it must be really frustrating to be a player to you know watch your team losing and be un- unable to you know, so get get yourself involved at that point. I mean, what's that like to people like us who you know never experienced them? Um, what it what it's like to to be a professional footballer? Yeah, well, I suppose like what you're talking about there is probably the hardest part of the game, being either injured and missing games or being suspended and missing games. Because ultimately you train all week and your main focus is for the game and that's what you prepare for. And that's the highlight of the week, playing games and playing minutes is, is what you want to do as a player. And um, that's the probably biggest frustrating part if you're injured or suspended and you can't help the team or um, you're missing out and playing games. There's nothing better than, than waking up on a Saturday morning and having that that feeling, match day feeling, um, and going into the stadium, whatever it is, home or away, and, and getting on the pitch for a match day. That, that's one of the best feelings, especially for me. I loved that and um, thrived on it, really. There, there was an, an amazing spell which began at the end of 2012 with eight wins in nine matches. Um, was that the point when promotion really became the possibility? Or, or if you didn't think so, when? When did you think that... You know, this team was going somewhere. Well, we kind of obviously set out goals at the start of the season, ambitions at the start of the season, and we kind of kept that in house. Most teams do that. Um, you got to set your sights high, and ultimately, you start off the season very optimistic and positive, and you want to win the league. I mean, why enter the competition if you don't want to win it, whether it be cup or league? Um, so we knew we had a good squad, a good blend, experience, and youth, and hungry squad that wanted to be successful and get to the next level so we'd set our targets and like you say when we went on that run I suppose that gave belief more so to the squad and to the fans and um, I suppose sent out a signal to the rest of the division that we were serious and could challenge yeah, because I think it started right at the end of the year, wasn't it? I remember winning at, um, at Portsmouth and then, like you say, there was a, I think we lost in the Johnson Paints, as uh, Ian mentioned before. But other than that, it was an, uh, an amazing uh, run of form. I mean, I, I remember Gary saying at some point during, um, I think it was maybe towards the back end of that season, him saying that if we didn't get promoted, we, we collectively as a club should feel that's a failure, which is a strange thing as a Yeovil Town fan because you think of yourself as a club in League Two, uh, League One, sorry, and you should be thinking, well, you know, we're doing really well just to be here. So for someone to tell you that it was a failure that you weren't getting promoted, I mean, th- that kind of belief feels like the kind of thing that could really drive you on. And, you know, particularly when you get that kind of run of results, I mean, that must have been one of the best run of results you've had as a. As a, as a player, isn't it? You can't have too many where you go nine wins in a row. Uh, yeah, it's definitely up there. But going back to like what um, the gaffer had said, what Gary had said, that's what he's very good at. He's very, he sets standards very high, um, high expectations, high standards, and demands that every day in training and demands that from the players. Um, Andy Staff, with a great staff at the time, Skibble and Darren Way and Stuart Housley and Danny Kitman, Gareth Stewart, goalkeeping coach and stuff. But, uh, with a great backroom staff and, and, and staff, which helped. Um, but like, I, I suppose that as a manager, he instills confidence in your belief. And then we get those running results, the players feel that. And there's nothing better as a player playing with confidence and that belief from your coach, your manager. You know what I mean? Having that um, camaraderie and that atmosphere and 
but just a really good environment, great culture, real good environment, and it was just a pleasure to play in. Um, some quality young players at the time as well, so um, he was he was spot on. If we hadn't achieved success that year, it would have been a failure. And um, lucky enough, we, we got there in the end. Yeah, you you talk about belief. Um, I think that playoff semi final against Sheffield United. You know, we lost the first one, but I think there was no doubt in anyone's mind that when they came back to Hewish Park, we were going to win. And I, I mean, I remember, you know, sitting in the crowd on that day and feeling totally calm and just excited for <laughs> for the for the game. And the, 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 it felt really, you know, it was almost a sure thing that we were going to come out on top and, and go to Wembley. Did What did you think on that, you know, that day, that atmosphere? I can't recall any other games like that at Hewish Park where there's just been such a, you know, just a clock ticking, ready ready to ready to go. What, what was the feeling for the players before that game and on that day? Yeah, just a strong belief that we were going to win the game. Like playing Sheffield United away, we felt as if we deserved more in the game. I can remember it was Callum McFadden um, scored. We lost 1-0 because last year at Sunderland, we had Callum McFadden as a player. So, we chatted about it and he was kind of gloating about it um, but then I reminded him in the second leg. Yeah, remind him who won. <laughs> <laughs> but on, on the night, I can remember like, I'm sure Harry Maguire played that night and we were telling yeah. Harry Marin to get at him and cause a problem with his pace. Um, we're unfortunate to lose that night but we knew, I think it was three or four days later, we played the, the second leg and we were, we were so confident that we could go and beat them. Um, and that night at Hewish Park, I mean, I think it was about eight and a half thousand, nine thousand there that night. It was incredible in that moment when we felt like going back to the Sheffield United game, um, Ed Upson gave away the ball in the middle of the pitch, I think, which led to the goal. Man. So after the game, Gary let him know that, that wasn't good enough in his own special way. Um, <laughs> and then going down to Hewish Park in the second leg, and it was just, I suppose, fate that Ed went and scored. Second goal, great finish to go and win again 2 0 and to win the, the tie 2 1. So um, I'm sure Ed Upson made the gaffer aware yeah. of that after the game, which is, which is nice. Yeah, well, we still mark Ed Upson Day every year as well. Everyone always remembers on that, uh, as it may, in early May time, everyone remembers Ed Upson Day. So uh, yeah, Probably. might not remember the uh, the the one before where he gave the ball away. <laughs> not <laughs> yeah. remember that. Yeah, I mean the celebrations after that goal and end of the game were just incredible, incredible. Yeah, remember. I don't, don't even remember how I got myself on the pitch that game, but I just remember it happened very quickly. So uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean that. That's um, you. You spoke there about what foot being a footballer is all about. I mean, when you look back on your career, that that moment of all those fans spilling on the pitch. I mean. Is that one of the memories that you think you'll look back on and just think, you know, wow, I was there. I hope we're going to come on to some good memories and some more good memories as well, hopefully. But is is that one that you'll you'll think of, even though you weren't quite promoted then? That, yeah. that was going to be a memorable day. No, definitely. It's definitely up there. Um, one of the special memories I have um, that night. Um, to beat, like, at the time we were at Yorba and then Sheffield United, everyone expects Sheffield United to win. But we knew we'd a better squad and better team and better chance of beating them. And to beat them the way we did, um, I, I thought we kind of deserved it over the two legs. Um, very confident over the two legs. And 
we were super confident after that game as well, going out of the final. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. the night and a few nights to follow, I don't remember much about. Was, <laughs> was special. It was a great, but a great squad, great team, great management. It was just, um, I suppose, perfect blend. Yeah, we've heard a few stories. We had uh, Jimmy Healy, your old press officer from there. He came on, spoke to us in the summer. So we've heard about some of the uh, the celebrations, shall we call them? So uh, yeah, sure Jimmy got a few photos and videos from. Uh, yeah, there were things. There were things his lawyers wouldn't let him tell us. Yeah, yeah. He, he... We're saving him for a rainy day. <laughs> yeah, I think he keeps hold of them very closely. Uh... <laughs> and a secret file. Yeah. Um, you you touched on the the final and Brentford, and we sort of wondered if you you felt underdogs or or felt that you know beating Brentford was going to be an upset. But by the sounds of things, you went into that final thinking we're going to do them as well and I think you know it couldn't have started much better with Paddy's goal and I pretty much maintain I don't think I'll ever see a better goal at Wembley than that one yeah <laughs> how, that was how, an unbelievable finish yeah what was the feelings like going going out there did you did you play at Wembley when Bristol City were you in the Bristol City squad when they lost yeah. a hole as well so that must have yeah. been a nice return for you yeah, that was heartbreaking. Obviously, like ninety minutes away from getting to the Premier League, mm. um, so that was heartbreaking in front of like I think it was eighty six thousand that day, Wembley against Hull. Team Wendas scored that goal. Yeah, um, I mean that was a good goal as well, wasn't it? Not as good as Paddy's, I don't think. But no, that was yeah, it was a good finish. But I mean, Paddy's that day was 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 a great finish. But now leading up to the game, we were confident. Obviously, we knew Brentford were a good side and there's some good players in the team, and they knew what what threats they posed. But we just felt that if we turned up on the day, we had too much for them. Um, we respected them as a team. We knew they were a good side, but we were confident. And like you say, with Paddy scoring that goal after like the sixth, seventh minute, first ten minutes, I think it was, mm-hmm. an unbelievable finish. It just, I suppose, that just settles the nerves, especially in a final. And then gives you that, that belief and that confidence to go on, go on and win the game. Really. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned the goals there. Being a defender, that that second half must have been something as well, because it was backs to the walls, Joff, wasn't it for a no. for a lot of it? I mean, is that another memory as a defender that uh, you know makes you makes you proud? Because they got a goal back quite early in the second half, didn't they? And then you felt like their tails were up, but we defended yeah. for our lives in that half. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, well, leading up to the semi final and the final, um, myself and Dan Bunn um, were getting injections pretty regular in our ankles. And on the on the day, um, ankle was heavily strapped, and I took an injection. Dan Bond was basically in a cast, I think. Wow. And Fulham allowed him to play. I think it was on loan from Fulham at the time. Yeah. They, they allowed him to play in the day of the game. Um. But like you say, I mean, the first half we dominated. We scored just before half time. Uh, Dan at the back post, which we identified like the gaff on Skill and Dan. We identified that because they were zonal, we'll get joy at the back post. Um, the big man arrived at the back post and scored. Although Hates, I think, uh, would like to claim that goal. I think he said he got a touch on it. <laughs> but, uh, no chance you're going to take that off Dan Byrne, is there? I uh, know. It'd be a good fight to see me too. <laughs> yeah, never pick on people bigger than you. That's my, <laughs> my motto. <laughs> uh-huh. But no, so it was good to go in at half time 2 0. And we knew what was in store second half. And like you say, we defended incredibly as a team. They scored early on, first 10 minutes, second half, Harley Dean. And then it was back to the wall and just defending for our lives, really. Yeah. And was that, um, I imagine the memory's got to be you, you know, being 
the captain who lifted that trophy in front of all that sort of seeing green and white. I mean, is that the one we still look back at the picture of you there lifting the trophy with all the boys? I mean, that's that's got to be the memory from that day, is it? Yeah, it's a special, a special day, special memory of that. Um, so it didn't start too well. In the first two minutes, they had a goal kick. And I think it was Clayton Donaldson, the striker, played it. Um, they had a goal kick on top of me. He came across, elbowed me, and broke my nose in the first 90 seconds of the game. Which was nice. <laughs> it wasn't deliberate. Um, Clayton's a good guy, and he didn't mean it. It was just... But it was a tough start to the game. But then, I mean, to walk up the stairs and, and lift that with the lads that we had and staff and... It was just an incredible moment to see the fans there. And it's amazing to win at Wembley. Um, so, special. Yeah, I don't think it's... It's not something I thought I'd ever see when I first started watching Yeovil in 99 that we'd get to Wembley and, and win a game. Uh, unbelievable. Um, unbelievable. But the, the, the following season in the Championship, you know, who would have thought we'd have made it to the Championship? When you signed for Yeovil, did you, do you think you were going to get another season... In, in the championship at that level? Um, I suppose I always thought I could get back there. Uh, and what Gary spoke about at the start of the season was that he wanted to push the players he wanted to bring in to push to get as close to getting there as possible. And it was funny because that season I'd left Bristol City. The season we got promoted, Bristol City got relegated. So Yovo went to the championship and Bristol went to uh, League One, which um, worked out quite well. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, especially I mean the club had never been to the championship before, and um, for us to do that with players and, and staff and, and the fans behind us was was a really special, special year. And did you think you could survive? Because I mean, it's obviously everyone was writing us off, weren't they? Saying you know we were going to go uh, straight down. I mean, did did you believe that we could we could do it with the the team that we we had? Yeah, we did think we had to strengthen and get a bit more players in. I mean, Paddy and Hayes did the season before in League One had scored, I think, 40-odd goals between them. We were very good defensively. We had a solid, like, basically the same starting 11 a lot of the time. We had some quality off the bench, young players, and, uh, Nathan Ralph and Youngie, and obviously Gav Williams played his part. Um, Matty Dolan, I think, was there at the time, League One. Uh, what? Heinze. So, but we, we I mean, yeah. we did add a few, um, and we were really unlucky in games, and games we should have won, we didn't, and that's that's the championship, that's the next level. If you don't take your chances, you get punished, and if you make mistakes, you get punished, and ultimately just didn't have enough that season, which was heartbreaking, really, because we felt as if we could stay in the, stay in the division. And, I think what I remember from that season are games like the QPR one where LaFondra goes down easy in the box and just really, really fine, tight margins in, in those games. And the level was, yeah. the level of football was unbelievable. And I thought, you know, I thought we we gave a good account of ourselves against, you know, there were some big teams in the division in that at that time, like massive teams. Yeah. I think you look at QPR and Harry Redknapp in charge, didn't they? And they were, you know, spending... A lot oh, yeah. of money and yeah. um, Bournemouth as well, who were also on the way up. There was there was big teams in that division, and I think to to compete as as well as we did um, was a hell of an achievement. But do do you think there was more we could have done? Do you think you know was there more the the board could have done at that time? Because obviously falling out of that division, it's ultimately you know it's been our our downfall really. But at, at the yeah. time, was there anything amongst the players who thought you know we could? 
there's a little bit extra here, a little bit extra there, we could have made it. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. And that's, yeah, you never know. I mean, we could have signed more players or better players. Might not have the money to finance at the time, but ultimately the squad that was there, we probably should have had enough to stay up. And it's our responsibility as players like, to, to do that. And then um, we fell short, unfortunately. Um, so now we're accountable that, for that as players. Um, like I say, in the championship, it's fine margins. We didn't we give a good account of ourselves over a majority of games. I mean, should have won, could have won more. It would have been enough to keep us up, but ultimately we didn't. And then, unfortunately, got relegated. Yeah, and you mentioned that. I mean, when you look back on your your two seasons as a Yeovil Town player, I mean, what would you say yourself? Probably obvious now, and what your high moments and your low moments are. I mean, did you did you leave with any regrets that it was just that last season getting relegated? Was it was that the sort of main one? Yeah, well, the highlights obviously like working with the staff that we had there at the time and and the group of players we had. It was like special, um, so and to get promoted was excellent and to see the fans here at Wembley and that, that, that moment of going upstairs and lifting the trophy and seeing everyone and knowing we're going to have the championship the next season was obviously a massive high. And I suppose the, the, the big low was was getting let go, really, because I'd played yeah. 40 odd games in the championship. I was expecting to sign a new deal that never came. Um, but I suppose that's football. I wanted to stay and, and play another year or two. But... For whatever reason, it didn't happen. It wasn't any finance or anything. It was just never got offered anything at the end of the day, which was was disappointing, really. Yeah, I mean, in in, in that team, like you, you've mentioned already, you play with so many great players. I mean, if you had to pick, uh, you know, we won't we won't ask you to pick one, but if you had to pick a few, uh, you know, players that you played with in your time at Yeovil, I mean, who would be the ones that you remember as? Yeah, maybe the ones that surprised you the most that you perhaps didn't know so much about and really turned out to be great players. Um, there's so many to mention. I mean, mm-hmm. for me, James Hater was class. His movement and his finishing, and I don't know, I had a good connection with him. Um, like anytime I had the ball, I knew what movement he was making, going long to come short or going short to then spinning behind, or even like crossing the ball as soon as you took your touch. He knew he was getting across his man in the box. Um, just an experienced, real clever player. Great lad. Um, but, I mean, there's so many. Dan Bond, Byron Webster, Luke Ealing, Joe Edwards, Ed Upson, Sam Foley. But Tom Orton's <laughs> on loan for a bit. He's naming the old team now, Jamie. <laughs> no, like, well, it was such a good team. Yeah, I mean, the class yeah, team, well. Kev Dawson, Paddy Madden. I mean, Ed Upson, Mike Stett. It was a top... But lads, I, I remember forever, good friends. Do you know what I mean? Gav Williams. Yeah. Some, some great lads yeah. on it. So. Right. Going mm. back to the post match celebrations, we've heard Gav Williams is definitely one to remember on a night out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you always have to be careful where he is, I think, by the sounds of it. You do, yeah. You've got to watch your back. Gav's <laughs> a drink. Even when he's not a drink, he's worse, probably. <laughs> Yeah, you said I. I want to go back to you. You know your your departure, really, because it. You know that sounds disappointing. I think I don't know if many Yeovil Town fans will. No, I certainly don't remember that. You know, it was a case of you not being offered anything, or anything like that. So you know, when you think about how our season went that following 
season as well. I think to compounded by you know another relegation and then you know this information that we could have had you for an extra season. You know, may, who knows what that season would have looked like? But you couldn't have um, you couldn't have taken a gone further away from Scotland, could you? In that <laughs> after oh, leaving no, yeah. Yeovil Town, <laughs> how yeah. did how did that move come about? Going over to the Indian Super League. Um, well, I was obviously expecting to sign. We all went never came. Um, I was told that it would, would happen, something would be on the table, but at the end of the day, it wasn't, which was disappointing. And then you got to move on then, unfortunately. But um, I was actually, I was going up to Scotland to sign with Kilmarnock. I'd been invited up with Alan Johnson, who was a manager at the time, to train for a week, just to prove my fitness. Um, so I trained for a week, played a game, and then agreed on the Saturday that I was going to sign a two-year deal with Kilmarnock. So I came home to Bristol and then went back on the Sunday night. So I flew up on the Sunday night, uh, everything all agreed, ready to sign on the Monday morning. And on the Sunday night, I was in a hotel in, in, in Glasgow and uh, David James phoned me, but quarter past 11, I was just about to go to bed. And he says, Michael, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm in Scotland. I'm just about to sign a two-year deal with Kilmarnock. And he says, no, you're not. I says, no, I am. <laughs> and he said, um, he said, look, I've, I've got an offer for you. I've just been given a job out in India in the new Indian Super League it's the first season of the Super League um, I'm going to be player manager I want you to come in as player coach because I'd done my, my, my B licence and that with David James and I played with him for two years at, at um, Bristol City so I knew him well and I said James well, there's no chance I'm going to get allowed to go to India for six months when I believe my wife and four kids just had twins the year before um, it was bad enough trying to get up to Scotland to say I would come back twice a week no, never mind, go out to India, other side of the world. And he says, Look, just have a think about it. What they offer you, come on, let's see what we can offer you here. Have a chat with your wife. So, phone my wife, asked at the time. Um, she says, That's my wife. I didn't mean that, that she's not my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> India, you want to break the camera's back, yeah? <laughs> she might not be after hearing that. No, <laughs> we'll edit it out. We'll edit it out. <laughs> uh, edit that out. <laughs> So I was on the phone at about what, half past 12, one in the morning, deciding what to do. And I went into Kilmarnock on the, the Monday morning, spoke to Alan Johnson, just told him the situation, what had been offered at India, to go out there and be a player coach. And it was a new Super League and the players that wanted to play there at the time. It was exciting. And just disappointed that I was when he signed. And the kit man walks in with McAllister number three in the back of the top, ready to kind of... So end up not signing and end up going to India. Yeah, so that was madness. I was going to say, what was it like? What was it like to be in such a new league, uh, league as well, in a country that, you know, football's not the first sport there, is it? It's cricket mad. So uh, what what was it like playing there? It was incredible. It was a, one of the best experiences I've had in football, to be honest. Um, the Indian people were just so humble, welcoming, hardworking, honest. It was just... The group we had were class. Like when we went there, David James, myself went there, and we'd um, Trevor, God, I can't remember Trevor's second name, who was assistant manager. The three of us turned up on the first day, and we'd 15 Indian players. So the remit was like 15 Indian players, and they could sign 14 internationals. And there was a draft, you could sign players from all over. Um, but the first two weeks, it was only the 15 Indian players, myself, David James, and, and Trev. And it was class. I mean, training, like the intensity and the work ethic, the, the dust to improve and get better. 
the hunger to get um just wanting to know everything about the position, like just constantly asking questions, sitting down, video analysis stuff, one one to one sessions, unit meetings, it was just and then the, the European players we brought in uh added to that. And some of the, the teams like, I mean one was uh was a marquee player from every team. And the likes of like Del Piero and Trezeguet, Anelka, Freddie Lundberg, David James is obviously our one. Um, I was going to say Jamie McAllister goes into that list, surely. Yeah, no chance. <laughs> Del Piero, McAllister, <laughs> Trezeguet. <laughs> and like Nesta. Um, wow. Matarazzi. Uh, oh, it was incredible. So you, the opportunity to play against, obviously, they weren't at the peak, but they were still like 35, 36. Um, to play against Del Piero was like incredible. So, yeah, no, it was, I mean, the fans, what? Well, I suppose it's. The only way I could look at it was where we were in Kerala, which was a beautiful part of India, southwest India. Um, one of our co-owners was Sachin Tendulkar, um, wow. the famous cricketer, and he's he's like he's bigger than Gandhi over there. He's huge. He's a god, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, the first week he came and had lunch with the players and staff and that, and he'd come to all the games. And our home games were like at the old cricket ground. Um, I don't know if I'm saying that's right. Jawaharlal Stadium in Kerala and Kochi um, and our home crowds were 64,000 <laughs> which was insane yeah. like it was like, I can only imagine like being a Premier League player so when we left the hotel which was like a five star hotel with security and stuff you had like a a chauffeur to take you to the, the malls and then you security with you I mean any, any shops there'd be like 20-30 kids following you to get autographs and stuff like that and your picture was on big billboards going down the highways and, and the malls and supermarkets. It was incredible. Why did you come back? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, Why I did you come back from that? Yes, uh, was it? It was a family, I suppose. That, that yeah, it was. It was a family. Yeah. I mean, it was a yeah. short, it was a short season. And that first season, yeah. the inaugural season, it was from like August to December. Yeah, I think I went out on the twentieth August, and came back like twenty second of December, just in time mm-hmm. for Christmas. Yeah. Um, but no, it was it was an incredible experience. Incredible experience. I think the whole idea came about was it was the owner of IMG Reliance at the time. It was, I think it was his son who came up with the idea. They wanted to do it the same as the cricket, like the IPL, um, and create a super league for like the best Indian players and then some of the best European players to mix and create a like a, a super league to then drive up um, the interest in football. Mm-hmm. Try and get it where, where cricket was. I mean, yeah. it's still going strong now, um, and it, but it's been changed. It's more of a kind of full season now. It's more, I think it's September to March now. Okay. There's only, there only, I think it was eight or ten teams in the league at that time, and now there's, I think it's 14. So. Right, so it's just continuing to grow. Uh, um, but you came back and you went straight to Bristol City, is that right? In the coaching staff there with. With Lee Johnson, obviously, he's your manager now at uh, at Sunderland. Was that the next step? No, actually, I came back and um, signed with Exeter. Oh, you did, didn't you? Sorry, I beg your pardon. Yeah, yeah Exeter, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. So, a few seasons there, a couple of seasons. Two seasons there, yeah. Yeah, I played two seasons there, which was, was good. It was great working under Paul Tisdale. Um, great manager, great man. Um, so. Yeah. And then, and then it was on to City after 
after that um with with and was it again the johnson appeal was it that uh, that took you to bristol city yeah well obviously i kept in contact with really close friends and and played together room together for years and mm -hmm. stuff like that so obviously followed lee's career and his coaching was doing well at old and barnsley um and then seeing it went in the city and i was playing x at the time um but i'd actually been offered a new deal at exeter and i'd been offered a deal at newport so i was 38 at the time and i was i was wanting to play till i was 40. i always had in my head i'll, I'll try and play it to 40 if i'm fit enough and still able to do a job um so i was ready to sign because yeah. they gonna offer me like a year contract with like a coaching role as well with academy and newport was saying that we'll take you in and make you captain like all that kind of stuff your contract and then I spoke to um, Gaff, I spoke to Lee, and um, they offered me, they actually offered me the 18s job at first. And I wasn't too sure until taking that or not. I didn't want to retire and finish playing. I'd been doing coaching at like, the academy for like four or five years uh, while I was still playing and stuff like that. Um, well, I was training and playing. So I didn't really want to take the 18s job. Um, but then like, within a couple of hours, the 23s job became available and they offered me the 23s job. So then it was like, do I take the 23s job? It's a great job working with someone I know really well. Um, or keep playing for another year in League Two. But I'd have been probably selfish looking back, it was a great decision to do what I'd done. But if I'd have stayed on playing for another year, I'd have been very selfish and it'd just been for me personally to keep playing and not for like the next 20, 30 years of my, my career and like the best interests of my family's future. I mean, so yeah great decision in the end and uh, went and worked with 23s for eight nine months and then 10 games to go in the season there was a change at first team level um and the gaffer asked me to step in the last 10 games and help be assistant and stuff and stayed up and then that year and that summer made me permanent uh joint assistant manager with Dean Holden and what was he like as a as a manager compared to a player? Like you said, you'd have seen him in in both roles. Uh, how was he? How was he different or the same? Yeah, the same. Very thorough, attention to detail, um, good philosophy, good style of play, um, demands high standards. Um, so creates a good working environment. Um, very open, very forward thinking, and always very creative. Uh, so, no, it's, it's been brilliant. I've loved working for the last four or five years now. So, four years at City, assistant, and then last year at Sunderland. Yeah. So. Is it um is it true you could have gone uh for the the manager job at Gloucester City and and then the the Sunderland role came along? Have you thought about wanting to you know be a number one at a club? Um, or are you you know is is do you like the you know the, the role as an assistant yeah i love i love the role as assistant and um in the summer when we're at work to be fair to the league i said like if there's anything you're interested in uh, go and have a look at it so that went to years i was close to a couple um managerial wise like i would like to try not in any rush i'm still learning i'm still i still love what i do just love coaching on the grass and and being a part of and developing players and and teams will be successful. So, love working with the gaffer, uh, learning off him every day. So, the Gloucester one, I, I got asked to go to a game and watch them. Went and watched them. 
They asked me to come back to watch the one on the Tuesday night, went and watched that, and then they asked me to come for an interview for the job. So spoke to Lee about it and he said, look, go for it and see what happens. And then um, done the interview and uh, yeah, so they offered me the job. But then the Sunderland thing came up two days later. Mm-hmm. I was just very open with Alex uh, Pedram, the chairman there, and said, look, this has came up. And he was brilliant with me. I still speak to him now, actually. Um, so I was just very open to saying, look, this opportunity has come up. So I want to look at that before I say yes or no to what you've offered. And then obviously when I signed at Sunderland, he said, look, I totally understand why you didn't take the job and you took that one. Go back and work with Lee and it's such a big club as to be to turn down. Yeah. I mean, you see players, um, some of whom you mentioned from your oval days, you, uh, Dan Byrne, you've obviously mentioned, and uh, Tom Lawrence, another uh, one who's obviously, you know, gone on um, to do to do well. And, and, and they've developed after that spell with the oval. I mean, with the connections with uh, with Lee and obviously Phil Jevons and uh, and your connections with Yeovil and Skivo. I mean, are Yeovil aside, you can see working with us as, as a coach with that sort of loan system and development. Um, are they? Are they a player you got any good players you can chuck our way? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I know Lee knows Daryl Sal very well, and I mean, I speak to Skivel quite a lot. I've done pro license with Skivel, um, great guy. So, no, I, I'm sure Daryl's asked to gaffer a few times for players and stuff like that. And I think for, for some players in Sunderland, it's a long way to travel. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I suppose it was different when we were at Bristol, um, a lot closer. But no, it's good to see the club hopefully on the rise again. I mean, Went on a good run over November, December, then they like 11 unbeaten, I think it was, and climbing the table now. Had a little sticky patch recently, but I'm sure with Darrow and Skibble, they'll kick on and hopefully get in the playoffs this year. Yeah, we certainly hope so. Yeah. <laughs> We'd like to get back in the uh, back in the league sooner rather than later. It's uh, you, you notice a difference. Um, mm. Well, namely the man in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We have a rule about not talking about referees, so we will stick to that <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, we better not break that. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I mean... love it as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we got to ask you this: if if the Yeovil Town job ever came up, is your is your hat in the ring? I can't comment that, can I? <laughs> That's not a no, though, folks. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Well, you you know. Maybe all three of you could come back. That'd be good. <laughs> yeah. I think we'd have to go up a few leagues before that'll ever happen, though. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, yeah. I'd like just like to say thank you, really, Jamie. Thank you for spending your evening with us. We really appreciate having a chat, and you know, thanks, thanks for those two seasons. I think many Yeovil Town fans never thought we'd experience, you know, that yeah. quality and that level of football. And you know, it's brilliant to chat to you after that. So, um, yeah, thank you. No, thank you. Good to talk to you guys and appreciate it. I mean, in two years I had it over special and I loved it. Um, so hopefully the team got this year and getting back into the league. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. 
Stansfield, good turn away from Trott, goal! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.